Welcome to Destination 101, the podcast of Toastmasters District 101. Take a ride with us on Highway 101 and discover Toastmasters clubs from Silicon to Surf, clustering along Highway 101 in California. Yeah, how many times can I say 101, right? Well, find out about District 101 news, tips and events, and hear from members and clubs. I'm your host, Birgit Starmans. Hello, welcome to Destination 101, and welcome to our listeners, and especially our special guest, John Bates. We also are joined by two other Toastmasters from District 101. We've got Shamala Sista, who is now on our podcast a third time, hooray, and Carrie Lynn Morgan. And they are both working on our spring conference with the theme of Unmute Yourself. First, just to introduce John in one sentence or less, and then we're going to dig into a lot more detail as part of this podcast. He's an executive coach, a public speaking trainer, and a TED and TEDx format coach, and I'm definitely going to dig into that. And he is our keynote speaker for our district conference. So first, I'd like to hear a little bit from actually Shamala and Carrie Lynn. We'd like to hear a little bit about how you found him. Thank you, Birgit. Rita actually found him. Rita recommended John, and when we reached out to him uh, probably in December, he was more than happy to do. Typically in our conferences, we have two keynote speeches, but this time we are doing things differently. We have only one keynote speaker, but he is amazing. I'll also share some story after this, but when we reached out to John, he actually said, oh, I don't mind doing a keynote speech on one day and another keynote speech on another day and a follow-up workshop with your Toastmaster members. It's like asking him for one when we got one plus one plus one. It was such an amazing feeling to see that. One thing you don't know about John is that he's extremely generous. You will be super surprised when you see what he's giving for our Toastmasters members. More to come. Keep looking for it on social media and on district website, what's coming out there. I am so humble meeting you. Thank you for all of that. You are very, very welcome. And, you know, I think I might be anticipating a question coming up but I uh, am a toast. Well, I was a Toastmaster for a number of years in, in Pasadena. I forget the number of the club, but it was a fabulous, fabulous Toastmasters club right in downtown Pasadena. And uh, I also, for a brief moment, ran a Toastmasters club uh, in Pasadena at a tech uh, incubator in the early days when nobody even really knew what an incubator was. And Toastmasters has made an enormous difference for me. I really, really love Toastmasters. And, you know, the other thing is I just love the opportunity to make a difference. And I know who shows up at Toastmasters, people who make a difference. And what I do now, uh, you know, the only way I really get to make a difference is if I make a difference for someone who's out there actually making a difference. So when I get the opportunity to be with committed, wonderful people like Toastmasters, I jump at it. And you're very welcome. And I appreciate your acknowledgement, Shamala. That is absolutely fabulous. I didn't even know some of this. So this is awesome. And I'm sure our members are going to be absolutely thrilled. So Carrie Lynn, do you want to get some comments from you? I think you're pretty excited about having John here. Oh my goodness. This is amazing to me. You know, I personally, I've been a Toastmaster, oh, I think it's three or four years but I am also in communication. I work with couples around communicating with each other. 
but have had this desire to take that to a broader stage. And you mm. are, you know, the perfect person to, to help with that for anybody who is wanting to spread their message to a broader stage. And a broader stage can be, you know, your family in your living room, I want to say. You know, it's not just an audience of a thousand people. Mm. It's how do we speak to the group that's in front of us? And so I am more than thrilled <laughs> to spend these, you know, two days with you is what Carrie Lynn, I am so excited to hear you say that because I had this huge breakthrough in my life where I realized what you just said and the importance of it because I, you know, I wanted to go make a difference on the global stage and I wanted to make a difference with these groups and those groups and all this sort of self-aggrandizing stuff. And then one day it really hit me that I couldn't even make a difference with the people right in my, you know, house next door to me. Right. And, uh, and I really, really got that if I didn't focus on where I was and making a difference in what I was doing at that very moment, I was never going to get, you know, like nothing was, yeah, I mean, you know, I was never going to get someplace where I was globally making a difference with big leaders and blah, 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 and being, yeah, you know, so it really is about making the most of exactly where you are, because that's the only way that I think we ever get to that next level and that next level and that next level. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, I wake up 10 years later and I'm like, I, I got a call from outer space. I got a call from space. I've never gotten a call from space before, but Mike Hopkins who just, was part of the crew that did the first night landing in the ocean since 1968. He called me from the space station from the dragon capsule, which was his temporary uh, sleeping quarters. And we talked for, for a while and, you know, that was bucket list, but that guy that I was before who wasn't willing to talk to the people right in front of me and thought I needed to be doing something bigger that guy would have never made it. You know, I like that guy was not going to get me to where I am now. And I don't, it's not like I think I am somewhere, but the journey has taken me to a very different place. That's a great story. Cause it's really making a difference. One person at a time, not one yep. auditorium at a time. Yep. Yep. If you think about it that way. Yep. And you'll get to those auditoriums, right? But boy, you got to be willing to talk to the person sitting with you at the bus stop right now. But do you know if you do that, if you do that and you really put your love and your heart and your soul into it, you'll find, I'm just going to make me cry. You'll find those words in those conversations that are going to land for entire audience, you know, auditoriums full of people, right? That's really motivating from the get-go. So that's a really, really great message. Really be geared towards the audience that's right in front of you. Let me hone in a little bit on your background because it's coming out in your keynote because uh, your first keynote delves into the neurobiology of communication. So can you give us a little bit of your background that made you target that as a topic? Because I've seen, I've looked you up on YouTube and I see that you have a couple of videos out there and some presentations. So how did you find that topic? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I was always the guy with the soft skills. And I was always super envious of people who had the hard skills. And I worked with a lot of them. I was always a, either a single digit employee or a founder or a co-founder at dot-com companies since 1994. 
you know, got on the internet at school in 87, came out, got a job at a dot-com company, and then was always super early stage. I raised several hundred million dollars with my various teams in Silicon Valley and beyond. I always ended up with the title chief evangelist, but all those hard skills people called what I did fluffy. So I had a chip on my shoulder and I'd go around trying to prove I was valuable while I secretly thought I wasn't as valuable. And it was just awkward. And then like, I think many people, Ted totally changed my life. I went to the Ted conference in 2009, saw this person on stage, then the next person, then the next, they all just gave the most amazing talks I'd ever heard. And the first thing that went through my mind, which is a great place to start, I think was, wow, I've basically been a public speaker my whole life, but I've never done that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I came home and I got really excited about that and got very involved in the TED and TEDx community. And it's an all volunteer effort. I think everybody knows that, but if you didn't know it, people who put on TEDx events have to do it as total volunteers. And so I was volunteering for my friends who ran TEDx Santa Monica, which was one of the very first TEDx events ever. And we had this guy who had all the hard skills in the world, the most exciting topic that I, like I, he was the one I was waiting for that day. And when he got up on stage and started to speak, everybody in the audience checked out because he was so nervous and awkward that we all thought we were going to throw up, you know? Oh, so, nice. <laughs> and I was really sad because I'd seen that so much in my career, right? These brilliant, well-trained people who have so much to offer and just couldn't quite pull it off that way. And so for a minute, I was really sad. And then the evil part of me came out and I was like, you know, ha, 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 hard skills, guys, blowing it calls what I do, fluffy, neener, neener, you know? And uh, as I was indulged, I said that all quietly to myself, by the way. But, <laughs> but as I was thinking that my buddy came over and he leaned down and he said, totally changed my life. He said, dude, we got to do something to help people like this. And it struck me in an instant that like, I could get over myself. Like, I don't know why it took so long, but in that moment, I was like, wow, like I could make a difference for someone like that. And so I thought about it though. And I realized that if I really wanted to make a difference, I would have to base everything I did in science, evolutionary biology, neurobiology. And it's not like I'm a big science guy, but I have a background in that. I'm super fascinated with that. I'm a lifelong learner, adult educator. And I got my degree at UCLA in uh, sociology, but with an emphasis in social psychology. And I did all upper division classes there because luckily I was in the honors program. So all that stuff was there, just never connected that way. And so I went home and started working on it. And that's what I now get to deliver all over the world. And that's what I got to train the United States astronauts in and people at Johnson and Johnson and Boston Scientific. And, you know, I pinch myself because at that moment in 2009, like I was nowhere, you know, I was I had lots and lots of debt and lots and lots of useless stock options. And that was all about to dry up, you know? So that's where I was at that moment. And, you know, that people talk about burn the boats, you know, if you're, if you're going to just burn the boats, so you have no option to retreat, you know, we've got to win because we just burned the boats. Well, I, I, I 
didn't have the courage to burn the boats, but they caught on fire anyway, and I couldn't put them out. So that's how this whole thing, this career for me now came about. I just, I just couldn't put the boats out. There was nothing else for me to do. And that's how I did this. But thank heavens for that moment at TED when I actually saw I could do this. I've actually never heard the term burn the boats, but actually that makes it, you're less driven, I think, to actually go out and do what you really want to do because you're always maintaining that, okay, here's my safety net and I need to put all of my effort into that safety net. Yes. Yeah. The boats are the safety net and that that's where that comes from. And, and I will admit, I did not, it was not my hand that torched the boats for sure. I was too chicken, but when they caught on fire and I couldn't put them out, at least I kept going. (laughs) Well, you know, some things are just meant to be. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, you mentioned TED Talks, and I think even in your bio, it said that you are not exactly happy with your first performance. And I saw some of your TED Talks (laughs) and uh, I thought actually they were really good. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'll tell you, failure is the most, potent way perhaps to learn things right um i I, if you in fact i'm pretty sure that if you do a search john bates ted fail (laughs) the first thing that'll show up is my article about how i blew it at ted you know and and then i luckily i got a number of other chances i've never spoken on the main stage at ted but i've spoken at the ted conference on side stages a number of times spoken at a lot of tedx events I'm one of the most prolific TED format trainers in the world. I've never worked for TED. You know, I love them. They love me, but they don't endorse my work or anything. Um, I, I, I do do pro bono coaching for the TED fellows. So I've coached a number of TED fellows for the TED stage and I've coached a number of other TED speakers for the TED stage, but, but never that main stage paid by TED coach guy. That's not me. But that first time on the TED stage, the worst part is that I didn't even realize how badly I'd blown it till maybe a year or two later, you know? Oh, okay. And what I did most fundamentally is I went in and did that. Oh God, this hurts to say. I went in and did that Ted talk for myself. It's the number one, most common, most debilitating mistake anyone could ever make. If you're going to go do a Ted talk for yourself, don't bother, you know, to sell your book, to establish your credibility, to look good. And look, it's really hard not to do that, but you, but it just doesn't work. So, you know, um, there's a thing that you can Google called the Ted Commandments, T-E-D. And I had not seen the Ted Commandments at that time. Um, And there's an older version and a newer version. I like the older version better, frankly. It's all about being humble and sharing both sides of the journey, not just all your successes, but also where you failed and how you got through that. And, you know, you're not supposed to sell from the stage, which, you know, that's basically is doing it for yourself. Right. And I think the thing I didn't realize is that if when people go up on stage and they give a really well done, really excellent Ted like talk they don't have to mention their book, right? We'll go find it because we fall in love with them. And if that's at all in our wheelhouse or interesting to us, we'll do the work. You don't have to do the work. You're, you, you have to do the real work, which is all the digging and excavating and 
just the journey of creating a really good TED-like talk. It's actually, I like your point about you're not trying to push the particular product because that's actually my job at work. It's thought leadership. So yeah. we don't start, here's the architecture diagram of our software. Mm -hmm. Here is you know, what it does, feature and functions, but it's really more about trends and establishing credibility, yeah. not pushing a particular product. So I'm really happy to hear you say that. That really coincides yeah. exactly with my uh, real job. <laughs> my yeah, real career. yeah yep. Well, and it's certainly what works, you know, um, all the people who do TEDx events are volunteers and they're giving you at a TEDx event, they're giving you this amazing platform that they do blood, sweat and tears for. So to go use that selfishly is, is just not what's going to work, you know? How would you describe the format? Because it's really interesting. Sometimes I hear from Toastmasters, we do five to seven minute speeches, right? And some people yes. say, well, 20 minutes is so long. Other people do keynotes at a business conference and say, well, 20 minutes is really short, right? And then yeah. doing more the visual, not reading PowerPoints to people. But can you elaborate a little bit on the format? Yeah. Um, so first of all, Toastmasters is great for practicing short speeches because they're way harder than long speeches you know everybody's familiar with that quote that's attributed to everybody that's brilliant about you know if you need me to speak for an hour i'm ready now if you need me to speak for you know whatever and so the shorter the time the more time it takes to prepare well that's one of the big i think that there's everybody's got their idea of the ted format and what i just realized birgit is that over the last decade, I have definitely developed my own take on the TED format. And what I've seen, because I've been brought in mostly like where, I, where I've done most of my coaching is in cor the corporate setting. And so I've, I've been teaching executives at these huge companies how to do TED-like talks because every event now says, oh, well, we'd like to, you to give a TED-like talk, you know? <laughs> so everybody wants to do that. And, you know, I don't, I think that it's, it's up for argument what the TED format is, but I'll tell you a few of the things that I think are key because I've just been identifying them myself uh, because I'm trying to communicate about what I do. You know, what have I been doing this past decade? Because I like people tell me I'm really good at it and I can't even tell people what I do very well. So what I think is happening, at least with me, is that the TED-like talk format done well, it's not about the talk. It's about who you have to become to give that talk to create and then deliver that talk, right? So some of the key things that I've identified are one, it has to be succinct, right? It's because 20 minutes, it's not 20 minutes, it's 18 minutes or less. A lot of my TED talks have been four minutes, you know? Oh, wow. uh, so much more like Toastmasters, right? So it's it gotta be succinct. So it has to be well-crafted. It has to be rhetorically sharp, the, the number one coaching from Ted is what's your one idea we're spreading, not your top three or your best five. No. What is your one idea we're spreading? Even an 18 minute Ted talk, there is one idea we're spreading and everything else needs to line up behind that, like the shaft behind a spear tip. Right. And then the other thing that I think is really interesting in all the good Ted talks is they're personal. 
And that's certainly a part of my take on the TED talk format is it's got to be tied just inexorably woven into your journey and your mission, who you are, right? Why you, why this, right? And that, that personal aspect is really important. And then it has to be authentic. If you go try and manipulate people, like it's not going to work, you know, Makes and they're, uh, getting clear with yourself, people getting clear with themselves as we do the work. Th- I mean, that can be like therapy, you know, like we, we get deep and people cry and they wake up in the middle of the night and they have sleepless nights. And, you know, people really need to wrestle the demons and the angels to get to that thing. And then uh, it has to be vulnerable, right? Typically these things come out of an experience that people don't want to talk about, right? The reason they're good at this or the reason they learned that is something they don't want to tell anybody, <laughs> right? But that's inauthentic, right? You, to to get those stories out and have them be well told. And this is what I learned from that painful experience. It doesn't always have to be part of it, but if it's there and you don't tell us, then we're definitely missing out on something. That totally makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm also a dancer and also a writer, and it's always about, you need to insert yourself, but not to the point of making it all just about yourself. Yeah. Not reading the resume. Right. So you want to make it personal enough that people understand where you're coming from, but it also needs to be more about them. It's interesting. You'd say that because one of the things that I hear myself saying over and over is look, yes, you're telling us a story about you, but it's for them. It's about you, but it's for them. So where is the story coming from? What are the details you're telling us? And it, none of that stuff is about you. Yeah, the story is about you, but you're telling us all these things and the way you're crafting it and the way you're laying it out and sharing it, that's all absolutely purpose-built for the audience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned therapy. It's You need to almost do therapy to yourself to get to that point, but the yeah. talk is not the therapy itself. Oh, exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> You've got to work through all that. Cause if you get up on stage and you're inviting them into your therapy session, that rarely works. Right. So people not. tell me, you know, it's, if I didn't cry, then it wasn't a session with John Bates, you know? Um, but we work all that stuff out. And then when you get on the stage, that emotion may still come up. You may even still get teary eyed you'll have worked through it and be able to offer it instead of still be suffering from it, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny that we got on this track because I think your, your second keynote and your workshop is more about, yeah, it's about you, but it's not about you. And I think I accidentally just led us there without even realizing it. Well, there you go. It's your subconscious knew what it was doing. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. But you're also going to be doing a workshop, which is going to be more interactive, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, I want to get some principles out there and get some things out there for people to just, so they got like, here's this toolkit. And then I'd like to get together and make it a lot more interactive and, and uh, ha- you know, have people start to play with that stuff. I think that sounds really awesome. So Carrie Lynn, Shamala, what are your thoughts? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, I, I like you guys can't, yeah. you listening to the You're podcast, the happy dance. hear this, but this is, I mean, this is so invaluable. Like I said at the beginning, like this is, this is not just relevant to people who are going to try to talk to an audience, a large audience. This is relevant to 
our Toastmasters clubs, our, you know, intimate relationships, our friends, our families, you know, how do you, I love this part about it's, even though it's your story, it's not about you. Like this is such a key tool in communicating with anybody. Yeah. It's remembering, you know, that there's another person out there that we're communicating with. And even though we want to get our, our point across our story, our reality to them, if that's all we're focusing on, if we're only focusing on, you know, that part of it, then we're not communicating. Yeah. We're not communicating. We're just spouting. Yeah. So you have to remember there's a receiver there. And so I just, I'm I'm so excited. excited. That makes me happy. (laughs) For me, Toastmasters is all about doing, not just listening in. And that's the best part of the conference this year, that it's not just about listening to a keynote speaker, but actually taking part in a workshop where you can participate, which means there is a practical aspect to it. Unbelievable. First of a kind. And I'm hoping that this will be the first step in the right direction for our future conferences as well. And John, one more time, I can't thank you enough. It's such a pleasant surprise when you offered all of this out of pure generosity and as a true leader, I can't thank you enough. You're super welcome. You know, I, I love that concept of paying it forward. And I, I think there's a really big benefit to not hitting it big till you're older. You know, not that I've even hit it big, but like I, I, I walk around in my house with my little baby boy on my shoulder and I look at this place and I think, wow, like I could actually afford it, you know, and I'm not worried about how I'm going to make rent next month. And I work with the most amazing people on the planet and I just walk around in my house and I cry. I'm so grateful because for so long, it was not like that, you know, and I really appreciate that my gifts are valued and I'm just so excited to be with your folks. And I know, you know, I know, I don't know every one of them. I do know Satish Shinoy. Um, I worked with him. He was invited to speak at care24.global, which was this fabulous global event. And I got to be the speaker coach for that. But I, you know, I don't know every individual that's going to be there, but I think I know their hearts. I've been to enough Toastmasters things. I just think people don't do Toastmasters if they're not generous and loving and kind and out to make a difference and willing. You know, one of the things that I would love to say here, because I don't know if I'll get a chance, I I would love to say it at, at the conference too, but it's not about fearless. It's not about fearless. My dad was a combat Marine wounded in Vietnam, saw stuff I don't even want to imagine. And he told me when I was young, I, I, I don't know what was going on, but I will never forget. It's so seared into my brain. He said, son, you do not want a fearless foxhole buddy. That guy will get you killed, <laughs> well, right? That, that guy will get you killed. You want a courageous foxhole buddy, somebody who has their fear. They may have wet their drawers, but they'll take action if it's warranted that's called courage. And that's what I think it takes to come to Toastmasters, especially that first time. 
So John, it's been awesome having you here. And yeah, I, I did see on your website that you are referred to as the executive whisperer. Now I can understand why and where that <laughs> comes from after just talking to you for this last half hour. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, my client, uh, Melinda Richter, who is the head of the global head of Johnson and Johnson Innovations J Labs now. I met her when she was definitely not that, um, but on her way, obviously, to something like that. You know, she she looked at me a while back and said, you know, you're not a speaker coach. You're an executive whisperer. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you, Melinda. That you know, is really cool. When somebody says something like that, you grab on and hold yeah, on to it okay. <laughs> and make it your own. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and can't wait to see you. It's, it's less than two weeks now. So I can't wait to at least virtually see you at the conference and hopefully uh, a lot of folks will join us. I'm sure they will, especially after hearing you here. So this is a great little taste of what we're going to hear. So really appreciate you being here and thanks to our listeners and talk to you soon. Tune in next time and email us at pr at d101tm.org with questions that our district leaders can answer in future podcasts. And if you miss an episode, you can review them all at www.d101tm.org slash destination 101.